I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Supercoach Edge, where we'll be bringing you all the insight, analysis and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon and I'm joined by my co-host Liam. Now, I know we say this every week, but carnage has once again struck and extended actually between rounds and off field with news dropping about uh, Shea Bolton breaking his wrist after being involved in a nightclub scuffle. It is the curse of the forward line. But the question is, Liam... How can we break it? Yeah, it's it's been a real curse in the forward line, hasn't it? We've mm-hmm. had Shy Bolton, as you mentioned. Paddy Dangerfield, with a three-game suspension, comes back for, what, a game or two, then a two-month injury. Shy Caldwell, Dusty's concussion, Dunkley, Heaney, Butters, Stringer. There's probably more I'm forgetting. Mm. Um, there's just been that many. I know. It's been insane. What a list, though. It's like, you know, back in, like in the cartoons and stuff where they have, like, you know, a scroll or a list and it just extends and just rolls out like a red carpet. That's virtually That's what, like, like. what this is like. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's actually crazy. I just don't, I think just don't bring anyone in. That's my, <laughs> that's, that's my advice. The forward line doesn't exist. Yeah. I saw someone mention that, um, can't remember who it was, but on Twitter they said that at this stage, it looks as though Warner's going to be my F2 <laughs> come the end of the year. If Zebra goes down, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, that's I'll it. pretty much just I quit. In, I think. Pack her up, boys. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll be delving into all that uh, throughout this episode. But first, let's just uh, remind listeners where they can find us on our socials. Yep. On Twitter, you'll find us at, at supercoach underscore edge. You'll find Damon at, at DamoJ88. Myself at, at Liam Evans underscore 95. You'll find us on Facebook and Insta at Supercoach Edge. Very good. Very, very good. And uh, <laughs> you didn't stumble at all there. I think this uh, this new handle of yours is doing wonders. It's great. It's great. I practice every night before I go to bed. <laughs> practice in the mirror as well? Yeah, pretty much. I don't actually need to read this. Like, it's on the run sheet every week, but I don't need it. 
I just know it off the top of my head now. Thank God you've only got one underscore now instead of like 50. <laughs> that always helps. Uh, anyway, moving on with the show. So, uh, of course, the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick off the next segment. So let's see who it is as we introduce the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> can I just say that I've never like I don't know this one off by heart because I, I feel like I never read it. <laughs> very, very good, very good. So every mm. week we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and for bad reasons. And I definitely fall into that bad reason with my terrible performance this week. Finished with the score. Wasn't terrible. Yeah. I guess yeah. In context of the majority of the competition and how they scored, mm. it wasn't too bad, but. Yeah, I ended up scoring 2,202. So, yeah, not bad on the surface, but, uh, yeah, it just wasn't high enough to beat the likes of yourself in uh, the Supercoach Matty Rao. So you're living up to that uh, that lofty um, status, I guess you'd call it. So I, I rose 1,150 spots to now just sit outside the top 10K mark, ranked 10,725. But I just want to mention, I just want to roast Champion Data, otherwise known as Champion Data, the chumps. And I mention them because they robbed me of an extra few points due to how slow they are, not only adding on scathing points come the end of the game, but actually adjusting the scores properly during the fourth quarter. I don't know if you've noticed or our listeners have noticed, but they have seriously been slacking off. I reckon they just clock off at three-quarter time, head to the bar, or... (laughs) Because they're nerds, I reckon they probably get some cordials or not literal cordials, not not slang term for beers. And then they come back, oh, wait a second. Oh, oh Dusty Martin's had one disposal. Let's scale him up by 50. Oh, Bont has had a free against. Let's give him 100 points for. Anyway, so at the conclusion of the Pies game, so Grundy, who was my VC, sat on 113 points, which, you know, on the surface, as we discussed last week, didn't yep. hit the illustrious 125 point mark. So it wasn't appealing enough for me to take. Mm. So there I was deciding, waiting for the scaling points to come. And the clock was ticking down to the Melbourne game starting. And Gorn was my captain. And they still hadn't added the scaling points. So I thought maybe they'd only scale him up by maybe five points. But no, he got scaled up by an extra 15 points, which put him <laughs> way over the 125 point mark meaning I would have taken him. But no, I had to lock in Gorn. So Gorn had a really slow start to the game and here I was shooting yeah. myself because I think he was only on, on about 50 or thereabouts at, at half time. And as it turned out, I lost an extra 15, oh sorry, 16 points. So yeah, it wasn't looking pretty early on with Gorn, but um, yeah, thankfully Gorn turned it around. But seriously, champion data, pull out your <laughs> socks because it happens every game. Get your shit together. And rant. So anyway, <laughs> moving on to the trades this round. Uh, that was like Caro's arrow. It was. <laughs> so you, you can't see that, but I'm just I'm doing the uh, you know pull the arrow out of your what's yeah, it called? Yeah, the Desma. So that's that's aimed at you, champion data. <laughs> Might be a segment going forth, actually, maybe. Uh, but yeah, trades this round. Uh, as is probably no surprise, a lot of people were eyeing off Freddie Frederick uh, in defence, but of course, Ken Hinckley threw a nice little spanner in the works and dropped him to the medical sub 
meaning we had to come up with a last second alternative. And that for me was bringing in RCD2, as I call him, uh, Riley Collier Dawkins, <laughs> a week earlier than I anticipated via a chappy downgrade. And uh, a portion of that cash, which I um, generated from that trade, was used to fund my Goulden to May trade. So, I mean, May didn't perform the best. He had 77 on the weekend, but I mean, better than He played more of a lockdown role on Buddy, though. Yeah, he did, yeah. And actually tailed him up a bit as well. So that was yeah. uh, that was good to see. But on to my actual scores for this round. So for the good, I had Grundy, who top scored with 128. And one of my boys in Taranto continues to impress with a rich run of form, scoring 126. The next best was Laird, Piggy Oliver, oink, oink, Impey and Lloyd. And meanwhile, CJ and Daniel had a nice return to form, which was, uh, which was pleasing to see. Uh, the bad, had Ridley's 84, May 77. Walsh is 89. I say that because he was down on unusual output. And Martin's 65 as, as well uh, in his return. And looks as though he was probably still in uh, New Zealand. Um, as for the ugly, uh, Robertson, the youngster from the Lions, let me down with a 44, whilst Cripps. And I put him in the ugly for the first time last week, and I did deliver a stern warning his way. I hate to say it, but he's well and truly run out of chances now for me, scoring yeah. 72 after being on 60 at half time. I can't believe that. And I just knew it was going to happen. But to, <laughs> to add 12 points over the next two quarters just isn't good enough. And uh, for me, he has to either be injured, which I think he still may be because I think it was spoken about early on in the season. And also I think he's down on confidence just the way he's playing. He's not playing with the same confidence that he has been uh, of seasons gone by. And because of that, I don't see any improvement, unfortunately. So we'll get to it a little bit later, but in short, his papers are stamped. You come here. What is that? You, 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 you and you. Fuck off. Get out. <laughs> what about yourself, Liam? Yeah, I'm happy with my score this round. I ended on uh, 2,296, rising about 2,953 spots up the ranks to be ranked 7,021st. Uh, this week did come with its headaches. I did make some last minute changes courtesy of Ken Hinckley, which did mean that I didn't entirely think through my captaincy loophole options and put the E on some players that I probably shouldn't have. Luckily, it didn't have me coming too unstuck. I only missed out on six points if I had have taken Gorn's VC over McRae. However, with Gorn's score of 112, I would have passed on that anyway, Um, but it would have seen me cracking 2300, which would have been nice, but I guess that's the way way it goes. In terms of my trades, well, what can I say? Last minute trade headaches. I'm looking at you, Ken Hinckley. Uh, it meant I to and froed a bit before Friday night deadline. Uh, Damon, you can definitely attest to this. Yeah, I think it, it was quite a big roundabout. <laughs> I started out being like, no, I'm not going early on RCD. I can't do it again. I can't. Do, I keep going early on players. It's my cardinal rule. Yeah. But no, I did it, which didn't go that badly. But basically, yeah, so basically with the possibility of most of my bench not playing in across all lines, I decided to go a week early on RCD, again breaking that cardinal rule, and I brought in May as well. On the chopping block was Golden, uh, Golden sorry, once I knew that McNeil would play, and the injured Chapman. So on to my good, the bad, and the ugly for the round. Uh, considering I've had my best round this year, I had quite a few players in the good column, which was nice, but none of them actually surprisingly had really massive, massive scores. 
Uh, highest scoring player was Zachy Merritt with 131. Grundy and Taranto continued their good form with 128 and 126. Laird and Clary pumped out 125s. And then I had Gorn as my VC and ended up with McRae's 106 as my captain score. Impy Lloyd, Jay-Z, CJ and Caleb Daniel also turned up, which rounded out the good. Uh, in the bad, I had Ridley's 84, May 77, Walsh's 89 and Martin's 65. Uh, all of them, I just guess, underperformed compared to their normal standards. Um, nothing too major there. And then, I mean, in the ugly, to be honest, there wasn't too much this round. I mean, you could maybe put in Martin's 65, but it wasn't that bad. All my rookies scored quite well, uh, which was which was nice. The thing with uh, with Martin, at least, like those guys who are really highly owned, if they have a bit of a downer, it's offset anyway mm. because I mean everyone's going to be affected. So at least at least you're you know saved in that respect. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the key reasons I did bring him in in the end. Yeah, that was the same. Was, uh, <laughs> was that if he goes big and you don't have him, then it hurts you a lot. If he goes doesn't doesn't score big, goes quite low, then at least you're not hurt too much, yep. which is which is always good. Speaking of hurt, though. Yeah, no, it's a bit of hurt here, isn't it? Uh, Running tally? Yeah, go on. Go go with it. What is, uh, what's happening? I sit on top of the two-person ladder. It's a, more of a step ladder, if anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. That's a good one, though. I'll play uh, that. It's, I sit on top with five wins, three losses, uh, and a percentage of 100.9. Uh, Damon's obviously in second or last place, whichever way you want to look at it, with three wins, five losses. Um... <laughs> And a percentage of 99.11%. Pretty close still. It's going to be be pretty pretty close the whole season, I think. When you uh, when you mentioned it's a bit, a bit more of a step ladder, the first image I had in my head was uh, was Andrew Walker towering over Jake Carlisle. But it's not going to not going to hurt you because you're probably laughing at that now because there's no loyalty there with Carlisle. Yeah, I, I do have to admit I did I did give did give Walker quite a quite a good cheer with that mark. I thought it was great. Yeah, except the AFL didn't because they didn't yeah, award him I, the mark of the year. Biggest robbery. Went to cracker. Biggest robbery. But, oh, uh, well. Anywho, we digress. So let's move on. <laughs> it's time now to discuss some of the hottest topics, players, and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to tell. After a high-flying game against the Cats, uh, quite literally, Shy Bolton was looking like a popular upgrade target for our forward lines. Unfortunately for those that did trade him in last round, an off-field scuffle has left him with a broken wrist and out of the game for up to three weeks at this stage. For The forward line carnage continues. Yeah, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's one of the reasons why we spoke about last week where we're just waiting for you know, I guess the last man standing <laughs> to present yeah. themselves up forward because it's getting into that stage where, you know, personally, I'm I'm actually eyeing off Dangerfield when he comes back. Mm. Uh, hopefully he drops a bit in price, but it's the likes of like him. Zorko is probably the most presentable option at the moment. Yeah, um, definitely. Still side bottom. Didn't really do much on the weekend. Those guys don't really fill me with too much confidence. I think, yeah, the forward line's the one that presents the, the toughest decisions. Uh, but Bolton obviously won't drop in price for a few weeks. Mm. Um, well, won't drop in price at all because he didn't get injured in the game. Um, so he'll be a good option when he comes back, hopefully. Yeah, that's a bit of a blessing in disguise, isn't it? Because like, I was I was actually toying about bringing him in. And then for this to happen, at least it means I can hold off for you know up to three weeks. So that's always good. And 
and uh, do the downgrades and upgrades to other other targets in between. Yeah, definitely. He was one on the the radar for me actually last week, so luckily I avoided that that trade there. And uh, another page in our 2021 Supercoach burn book has been added with Ken Hinckley dropping popular downgrade target Freddie. I call him Martin Frederick. Uh, so while Hinckley did let us know in advance of his plans to drop the bubble boy, he was then brought on as the injury sub, which has pretty much diminished any chance of making us bulk cash. So uh, thanks yeah. for that, Hinkers. But um, yeah, must be said, he's. Um, I think he's, he's been added into the book, but in pencil because... You know, I think compared to, say, a Scott or a Leon yeah. Cameron who are just in the thickest permanent market you can find. <laughs> Whereas I think with with Hinkers, he's, he's been pretty kind to us over the journey with uh, the likes of Butters and Dozman and everyone else being definitely, blooded definitely. early. But um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty much yeah ruined the, uh, the prospects of one of the best bubble boys out. So yeah, unfortunately, Ken Hinkley, you're, uh, you're in there. And finally... The celebration! The AFL has listened to the fans. From round 10, Thursday night team sheets will be back, helping reduce some of the carnage, I guess, of rookies and mid-prices being dropped. Common sense has finally prevailed. Thank the Lord. Like, It's it, not often you can say that with the AFL. I know that they've actually done something right, and they've... Yeah, listened to fans? Yeah, listened to fans, exactly. It was, you, you can pretty much tell that the AFL were almost reluctant to do it because they didn't want to admit that they were wrong. Yeah. Like, the intentions were good because of COVID, but... It was just, yeah, this year I don't think it made as much sense. It's something that you could change quite easily mid-season as well if you needed to. Yeah. Like, you can change it on the fly. So I don't know why they were waiting for so long to do it, but, I mean, having said that, it isn't going to stop the likes of Chris Scott swinging his last-minute changes like he did with Reece Stanley in Radicalia. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Didn't they, I think I read somewhere that he actually had made that decision on like Wednesday before the teams had been announced. Yeah, because uh, who was it? There was a journal that I saw on Twitter actually mentioned it and floated the idea that that in all likelihood was going to happen. And then yeah. lo and behold, it actually happened. So Chris Scott, I think he's like, he's. I'd say he's probably on page one yeah. of the burn book. But even more so, yeah. I reckon he's probably on the front cover of the burn book. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Anywho, uh, let's move on to our next segment, which is always fun. We love it. It is called The Price is Right. The Price is Wrong, bitch. In The Price is Right, we run through the top buy, sell, hold, and wait options for this round of Supercoach. We'll chat about the pros and cons and what we'll be doing with our own teams this week. And to usher us in, it's our favorite furniture salesman, and everything else that he sells on the side, wink, wink. Not suggesting anything, are we, Liam? Wink, wink. No, no, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid sexy Flanders. It is our man Franco. You there, mate? Grand style, grand style, grand style. Megalo, megalo, megalo. Thank you very much, Franco. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, Liam, but when, he, when we sat down with him this week, he yeah. was really... Really nervous. And I, I mentioned, I said, yeah, Franco, there's no need to be nervous, mate. I'm like, what? Are you, are you trying to up your rate? And he said, no, he had a new shipment coming in this week. And I said, well, uh. why, why were you nervous? And he mentioned something about customs and, I don't know, hollowed out furniture and stuff. I don't know what that meant. But 
That, that's a nice reference to the uh, the urban legend. Yes, exactly right. If anyone doesn't know what we're referencing or talking about, I'm sure you sure you can uh, uh, connect the dots. Uh, just just do a Google search on uh, on Franco uh, urban, urban legend, legend yeah. and you'll find out what it is. But uh, it's quite hilarious to think about. But we're not not mentioning what it is because we don't want to slander the good man's name. It's just it is a joke. Our good friend and our good friend as well because he's giving us good deals on old fashioned <laughs> furniture. At a reasonable price. So head down there to Franco Cotso. I don't even know if he's open still, but he is alive. Uh, he is alive. Yeah, so. yeah. Because he's here on the show. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Franco. So with uh, buy, um, first up, we have Jack Steele coming in at 582.7K. Of course, as a midfielder, averaging 113.3 with a break-even of 145. Now, uh, Steele is probably someone you could probably afford to hold off another week for to bottom out a little bit more beyond the 75.3K yep. he's already lost. But his solid average at Marvel is probably one reason he finds himself in the buy column a little, little bit earlier. Uh, but... For me, it's the potential for a solid ceiling game, which could be on the cards. And uh, if you fall into, I guess, the same category as me as carrying uh, Crips, please feel sorry for me. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a really, really tough road. You do deserve um, a medal. I do deserve a medal, yes. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're holding Crips and you want to get rid of him, he's probably one guy I'd target. I, I can definitely see him finishing in yeah. the, the top eight of you know, scoring midfielders come the end of the year. And I mean, even though Steele is projected to lose roughly the same amount of cash as Crips this week, going by Supercoach Gold, I'd be getting in Steele aside from that, just purely based upon his scoring upside. Mm. Uh, his next four weeks as well, be mindful of, are at Marvel Stadium and uh, the Ruse uh, are looming in a couple of weeks also. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's a must-buy at this stage. Uh, probably will be next week, but uh, he's definitely someone to consider if you're looking to get rid of Crips. Yeah, definitely. I think, as you said, the 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 cash that he loses, if you especially if you got Crips and you're trading him out for Crips, sorry, trading Crips out for for Steel, it sort of cancels each other out, and the points differential is what you're looking for. Even then, if you're upgrading from a from a rookie, potentially it's only what did you say about 13k? Yep. It's probably worth the points difference that you're going to make theoretically. That's the thing. A lot of people don't don't factor that in when trading players. Like they just purely look at yeah. the price of players. And because, yeah, they're going to be roughly losing about the same amount of cash. Sure thing. You can hold on to him. Like you're not going to be losing any cash if you get him, get steal in mm. next week for Crips. But you are going to be losing out on that potential high score as opposed to Crips. If he bumps out an 80 this weekend, where I steal bumps out 120, you know, there's a 40-point swing right there, which yeah. is a big difference, obviously. So um, Yeah, and at the end of the day, like, Supercoach isn't about the value, it's about the, the, the points you're making. Yep, spot and on. I think that sometimes can be a bit lost when doing some of these upgrades. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got Tom Mitchell in the buy column, uh, at, priced at 525.8K, obviously midfield eligible, average of 107.3 with a break-even of 60 the Hawks midfielder did come back with a bit of vengeance this week, rewarding coaches who jumped on earlier in the season and held him through through some of his lower scores. Not not that bad. Mm. Uh, but he rewarded them with a score of 147. While his scoring hasn't been up to the upper echelon that I guess we're, we're used to with him, he does have a relatively high floor with a low score of 74 for the season. 
He comes in at a discount of 84.2k from the start of the season. And Mitchell is another ideal target this week if you're looking for a bottomed-out midfielder. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be discussing him in a little bit more detail yeah. as well in Compare the Pair coming up. Uh, so we won't um, won't ruin that too much by delving too much mm-hmm. further into it. But yeah, let me just say that he is definitely an option that I'm considering uh, in a trade for Cripps. The next guy is uh, is my boy, as I always keep saying, one of my uh, many uh, favorite players in Supercoach. Tim Taranto comes in at 524.1k as a midfielder, averaging 103.8 with a break even at 46. Now, Liam, we've both got him. Yep. We started with him, and thankfully he's coming good. He's repaying the faith with some uh, awesome scores. And um, his form is actually matching that of the Giants at the moment. So he has a three-round average of 122.3. And, yeah, he's looking like uh, a great option for those that didn't start him because he is busting out scores way above his pay grade at 524.1. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, I mean, he's pretty much on par with Tom Mitchell at the moment. Uh, in terms of price and um, in terms of average, uh, he's probably eclipsing uh, those players, even even eclipsing the likes of Josh Kelly at the moment with the three-round average. So he's definitely one that's probably slipping under the radar for a fair few people. Yeah, definitely. Talking about GWS midfielders, though, we've got Josh Kelly also coming into the buy column with 511.6K. Uh, midfield eligible, obviously, and an average of 98.1 with a break-even of 64 the Giants midfielder is looking like he's back lining up in the guts and on the wing. Um, and with that comes his old scoring ways. Uh, better yet, he's priced at 104k cheaper than his starting price. He's had scores of 129 and 111 in his last two games with 16% CBAs uh, in round seven, increasing to 69% on the weekend. If you're looking for a cheap midfield option this week, Kelly uh, is a great option and a tried and true midfield primo. Uh, he's averaged 115 and 117 in the last two seasons, respectively. So if Leon Cameron continues playing him in the midfield, that's a big if. Uh, his big scores should continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's uh, he's definitely up there among the contenders in terms of uh, a swap for Crips. And yeah, that, that increase in uh, CBA is, is, uh, is definitely uh, promising. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that the main thing is that he's no longer playing at the moment anyway, knock on wood. Uh, he's not playing up forward as much, if not at all, uh, compared to previous weeks. And um, yeah, if he's not getting CBAs, as long as he's playing along the wing as well, which he also does some damage with, uh, mm. that's also a pleasing sign. But uh, yeah, past two scores indicate that, uh, yeah, he's rounded the bend there, but just got to keep a watch on that uh, that other coach that he's almost yeah, in the burn book as well, Leon Cameron. Definitely. And we'll uh, discuss Josh Kelly in a little bit more detail as well alongside uh, Tom Mitchell in the next segment. But now we'll move on to those guys that are on the bubble this week. Uh, so first off, we've got the Richmond midfielder, Riley Collier-Dawkins, RCD or RCD2 if you're Damon. Uh, priced at 123.9K, obviously midfield eligible, average of 59.5 and a break even of minus 45. Damon, what are your thoughts on, on RCD2? Uh, yeah, so I guess a lot of people jumped on him early and yeah, he was a bit down on performance on the weekend, uh, but of course he did play in a losing side against Geelong uh, and his CBA was one thing that really stuck out that uh, that did drop uh, compared to the previous week. So it dropped from 68% to 28% 
off the back of Dusty's return, but was also compounded yeah. by Jack Graham seeing increased minutes in the engine room. So, uh, yeah, I mean, now that um, our, uh, our favourite person, I'm going to call him our favourite now because uh, Shea Bolton, who... Uh, who's now seen himself on the sidelines. He's only a favorite because we haven't got him and we're eyeing him off and now we can hold off. He's got a fair few CBAs yep. to spread around. And you'd think, given that, that uh, Collier Dawkins should receive a fair few of those. So, yeah, there's only really upside there for me, I think. Um, and it will increase. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't jump on early like we did, like we were forced to on the weekend, he's definitely one to consider. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that there's, with Shane Edwards and Shy Bolton both out, Shea Bolton, sorry. Um, there's like 40 spots of for CBAs up, up for grabs at, at Richmond. So hopefully RCD should grab some of those. Unless uh, unless somehow Richmond sacked Dimmer and they appointed Leon Cameron. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to the next candidate who's going to be very, very popular. Yep. It is Caleb Poulter coming in at 117,300 who is a handy mid-forward as well, averaging 66.5 with a break-even of negative 63. And uh, yeah, like I said, he's going to be a pick of the bunch and uh, has that handy DPP, lowest break-even on the bubble. And uh, yeah, seemingly pretty good job security and, and uh, scoring potential, which is yeah goes against uh, previous Magpie rookies that we've seen in recent times yeah, like McRae and, um, and the like. Yeah, definitely. The only minor concern, I guess, is just Buckley hasn't been playing the kids as much. Like he's bringing them in, but dropping them at the same time. Um, but I think with the way that Caleb Poulter has been playing, I, I would be surprised if he was dropped like McRae was. And now moving on, we've got Matthew Owies from Your Mob, uh, 123.9k. Forward eligible, averaging 58 and a break even of minus 42. Owies has impressed in his first two games of 2021 with scores of 67 and 49. While his short-term job security does look pretty stable, we're unsure how it looks longer term with Zach Fisher to return to the side. In terms of his scoring potential, being a small forward, his scores are heavily, heavily reliant on goals. So you'd expect a similar output to the Row Locoaster, as Damon <laughs> has dubbed uh, Row from the Crows. Yeah, that's right. I, I think... Watching him live on the weekend, I was really impressed, uh, especially I think it was his second goal, which he uh, he kind of took on a doggies player and snapped yeah. the ball around his body. And I was super impressed at that and shows that he does have the confidence to play at this level. So there's no doubting that, I think, playing at uh, at senior level. Yeah, the only real issue is Zach Fisher is, it may even be this week, uh, potentially, he may find himself back in the side. Mm. Good old Zachary Fisher, slippery fish as I call him. And... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he's kind of playing in that same position as Fish. And yeah. Fish has been excelling in that spot uh, in previous games and especially last year as well. So, yeah, I mean, all you've got to ask is for Owies to, to keep his form and he will keep his spot because, yeah, I mean, him and Eddie put on a bit of a masterclass up forward for Carlton. But, I mean, yeah, how long it lasts. And, I mean, being a small forward, like you mentioned as well, his yeah. scores are going to be quite capped and there's going to be a lot of deviation between his high scores and his low scores because of that that reason. Yeah, definitely. He scored two goals on the weekend off the top of my head and yep. scored 49. So obviously his scoring is going to be pretty reliant on, on more goals as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another guy who you could potentially look at 
And one option that uh, probably hasn't been considered by many, it is uh, Ryan Burns from the Sainters. He comes in at 123.900 as a midfielder, averaging 57 with a break-even of negative 40. And um, yeah, he was expected to potentially get midfield minutes on the weekend with Seb Ross missing, but uh, he actually spent the entire game on the wing uh, with Jones and Crouch, uh, the beneficiary of the increased minutes instead. His scoring hasn't been too bad. It's been pretty respectable with the 52 and 62. Uh, but I think at his price, it probably makes more sense to go with the Poulter, given especially that he's got that DPP, which is always handy, or an RCD who has better job security and seemingly better scoring potential also. Yeah, nice one. I think just quickly to sum up, I guess, my thoughts on the four those four rookies, probably for me it's uh, Poulter first, uh, RCD second, even though he's already in my team. Uh, Matthew Owies and then Ryan Burns in that order. I'm exactly the same. I think you could probably you could probably even say that Burns maybe over Owies because of the fact he's playing yep, in the midfield. Yeah, that is point actually. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, it doesn't really matter because you're either going for the top two prospects as as opposed to the third or the fourth. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, def- definitely those first two would be my 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 big focus this week. Now moving on, let's uh, open the cash register. And let's look at these sell options. Yeah, you bring it in. It's um, all right. Yeah, it's bringing it's back be a some pretty hard one. Bad memories at the moment. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard, tough one for you. Uh, first up, uh, we've got Patrick Cripps, uh, obviously Carlton co-captain, uh, four hundred nineteen point nine k. Quite a drop there. Mid midfield eligible, average of eighty two point eight, and a break even of one hundred and twelve. Damon, I'll, I'll pass this over to you as one of his owners. Mm, I was wringing my hands together uh, at the game, more so because of the loss first and foremost. But yeah. then when I saw his score, it um, yeah kind of compounded the uh, the emotions after the game. Yeah, so if you've been loyal to the Blues co-captain at this point, you're probably well within your rights to move him on, and uh, you probably deserve an award, as you mentioned earlier. Yes, Liam, I'm waiting for my award. Ah, uh, yeah. I think it's either either an award or a straight jacket for holding him this long. <laughs> it's probably the latter, I reckon. Yeah, I probably should be committed. I should have been committed a long time ago. And it was probably due to my loyalty. It's probably just more so the fact that he'd drive you insane with those scores. And it was probably more so the fact that, and it's probably going to happen now that I do it, that I held on to, I held on to him for this long because I knew that the second I got rid of him, he's going to smash out 120 and I'm, I'm going to say this now. You watch him do it on the weekend, and it's going to burn even more. He does play. He does have a pretty good average against the, the D's, actually, I, I saw before. Don't say that. So it's it's a weird week to do it. <laughs> Maybe you should keep him. That's uh, no, a different Melbourne outfit this time. Different Melbourne outfit. That is that is very true. But, uh, yeah, as I said earlier, he looks to be playing injured, and his scoring isn't improving at all. Uh, he's already lost over 100K, which hurts me to say. But, um, yeah, his break-even is 112 which I think should still see him continue to tumble because yeah. he's, he's really finding it hard to eclipse that 100-point uh, mark at the moment. So, yeah, if you have enough reserve cash, now is probably the time to move him on with fallen primos such as Steele, Mitchell, Kelly, as we mentioned earlier, the best upgrade targets. Now moving on to uh, Tex Walker, 419.2K, forward eligible, average of 98 and a break-even of 178. I just actually want to point out just quickly, who would have thought at the start of the season that Patrick Cripps and Tex Walker would have a price difference of 0.7K at any stage of the season? $700. 700 bucks. Uh, that actually makes me feel worse, thanks, Lee. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
If you haven't already jumped off Tex, uh, it's it's time to now, I'd say. Scores of 42 and 29 in his last two mean it's time to cash him in. He was probably never going to be a keeper, let's be honest. And his recent scores reflect that his scoring of previous years, of never averaging above sort of 80s, is probably more of a true reflection of what his, what his average is going to be. So are you saying that it's not worthwhile cashing in Cripper to the big Texan? I reckon you should do it. And then I'll get like $700 to put towards my upgrade yeah. to a Steel or a Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 700 bucks. That's pretty good. Anyway, moving on with that. I'm just going to wipe that from my memory. Um, Chad Warner uh, comes in at 329.4K as a forward, averaging a respectable 75.9 with a break even, just under that of 74. And uh, he's probably one you can potentially trade out or hold depending on your situation. Uh, but he's a perfect option to downgrade to Poulter which would net you over 200k for an upgrade somewhere else or if you want to build a war chest uh, to trade in someone like a steel who may still potentially drop in a week's time, you could potentially do that. However, if uh, you do want to hold him uh, to ensure you have enough warm bodies on field in the forward line uh, as we approach the buyers, given his, uh, his break-even isn't unachievable, then um, you know I guess that's, uh, that's a valid reason to do so. But uh, he looks to have maxed out in price, but um, one good score, something which we've seen him do in the past, could help kickstart a bit more cash gen. Yeah, definitely. I think he's on the block for me this week, um, but only because sort of everyone else has a bit more cash definitely to be made. Uh, but if it wasn't for that, I'd probably hold him just because he's scoring relatively well. And... Um, as we've said, the forward line's a bit of a shit show, let's be honest. <laughs> it hurts as well because he's, a, he's in the forward line and he is quite consistent with his scoring. Mm. And we do know his, his job security is probably the most sound out of all the Sydney rookies at the moment. So, yeah, he's um, begrudgingly, I have to say that, uh, yeah, he's going to be on the chopping block as well for me just because of the fact that there are other rookies that are still making bulk cash uh, as opposed to him. So... Yeah, unfortunately, uh, getting rid of him, but uh, keep him if you can. And moving on, yes, to the hold, which is, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, Probably one of these guys is more interesting than the other one. And that is Jay Rowe, uh, coming in at 236.200 as a forward, averaging 56.6 with a break-even of 23. There would have been many that jumped off the roller coaster in recent weeks, and rightfully so, with his break-even hovering in the high 70s leading into the weekend. But he somehow pulled a rabbit out of his hat at the right time with an 81 to kickstart his cash generation once more. And with a potential for a 30k plus increase, if he can maintain his current average in the high 50s, it's uh, probably worth riding the roller coaster for a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely. I He was on the block for me last week. I didn't, didn't end up chopping him, uh, thankfully. Just the uh, the my, my my lack of cover in the forward line meant that a warm body was was more important to me, um, but I think now with that score, he's definitely worth holding for for another few weeks at least. Um, that that eighty one will stay in his rolling average for the next two weeks, which will help uh, with his break even and his cash gen. Now, moving on, we've got Tom Powell from North Melbourne, 318.3K, midfield eligible, average of 77.3 and a break-even of 56. With that lower break-even compared to his average, he should be able to eke out a bit more cash gen for you. And he's definitely a solid on-field rookie option, as we've seen uh, this year. However, I know for some, myself included, he's potentially on the block as 
I guess, a bit of a stepping stone for an upgrade. I think it's sort of a bit of a 50-50. It's very case dependent. I think you should hold him unless you're upgrading to a primo. I definitely wouldn't be downgrading him to make cash because he's got at least another week in him. His break even 56 is below his season average and his three round average as well. Uh, the great man Bryce Mitchell projects power to be right for the cull next round, making you another 9k if he does score around that 77 mark. Yeah, for me, I think he's, um, you know, if you can upgrade to uh, you know, a genuine premium, then I think, yeah. you know, you should definitely do it. Uh, but yeah, only when he is maxed out in price. He's just because he's he's far and away the most reliable rookie, both in scoring potential and his job security. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the last upgraded for me. I think I'll try and switch around as many DPP type players as I can and upgrade around him. But mm. um, yeah, if you want to keep him for the long haul, then uh, you know it's it's definitely uh, there's merit in doing that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a very fifty fifty call. When I say 50-50 call, I mean it's 50-50 on your individual situation. Um, if, if you're going to upgrade him to a primo, then that's good. If you're not upgrading him to a primo, then it's it's definitely worth keeping him. So let's move on to what we're doing this week. Uh, Damon, do you want to go kick us off? I know I say it almost every week in, in recent times that I'll be trying to conserve my trades, but uh, I will most likely be capitalizing on the fact we have a heap of quality rookies on offer, as I do foresee a slim offering leading into and out of buys so uh, I'll be using both of my trades this week, I think. So whilst I would otherwise like to hold Warner due to his reliability yeah. in terms of scoring and job security, as we spoke about, he looks to have peaked in price and I don't have any other suitable candidates to cash in. So Cripps has had his paper stamped and I will be involved. That sounds really uh, foreboding, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he will be involved in a trade for someone like a Steele, Kelly or a Mitchell. I would like to take the punt on Kelly, but he has burnt me numerous times over the years getting injured and in a season of chaotic injuries and wasted so many trades so far and fixing them so far, I can't afford to waste any more, I don't think. So for me, if I do feel like being a little bit adventurous, then I might do it. But at this stage, I think I'll be uh, be going for someone like a Mitchell or a Steele. What about yourself, Liam? Um, so I have a few options up my sleeve. I haven't had a big chance to play around with my team just yet, so um, I'll just give you sort of the general outline of what I'm looking at doing. So Poulter is a non-negotiable, I guess, this week, unless he's obviously for some reason not named. Um, he'll be making his way into my team. Touch wood, obviously, that is it isn't named, um, but most likely at the expense of Warner. Um, I may hold my other trade there um, just because I've used so many so far but potentially might use the second to upgrade power to someone along the lines of Lions from Brizzy. Just sorry to all the, the current owners out there. I'm going to draw some attention to him. <laughs> He's currently in only 2.2% of teams and is averaging 119.8. I think he's like the sixth highest scoring super mm. co- uh, player in Supercoach. So absolute great value there. I think his lowest score for the season is 100, yep. uh, bang on 100. Uh, so... It's just crazy he's only in 2.2% of teams. He's super consistent. Um, he's one that I'm looking at, but it'll mm-hmm. depend on my buy structures and uh, whatnot as to whether I actually bring him in. So I may only potentially use the one trade. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, just referencing our good friend of the show, Emper, is Tun Run, which he is tracking the players to score the most consecutive tons. And it's come down to Lions and McRae. Mm. Uh, so far so um, yeah that shows just how consistent 
Lyons has been. And uh, yeah, he's definitely one to target. And yeah, the cat's out of the bag now. Good stuff, Liam. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I really do apologize to the 2.2% of teams that do have him. But uh, now it is time for same price. Same position. Same super coach contribution. But there could be a season of difference between their scoring output. Compare the pair. Yes, it is compare the pair. And this week's segment of compare the pair is brought to you by none other than the legend that is Empa, the statistical guru, our uh, good friend of the show and podcast. So uh, thank you once again, Empa, for helping us out with your compare the pair comparison graphs that you sent through. So has helped us quite a lot. And this week, we're looking at Josh Kelly and Tom Mitchell. So let's have a look at Kelly first off. Kelly is uh, comes in priced at 511.6K. Midfield eligible, obviously. Average of 98.1 and a break-even of 64. Uh, we'll run through the pros quickly. Seemingly looks to be back in the engine room with... Uh, sorry. Seemingly looks to be back in the engine room at the Giants or at least playing on a wing, where he has flourished in recent weeks, scoring 129 and 111. Uh, his CBAs have increased in those last two weeks from 16% to 29 on the weekend just gone, uh, which really shows that his, his roles changed back from being, I guess, playing in a forward flank back to, I think last week he played more on the wing, and then this week he played much more through the middle. Even though he has been down on scoring output over the weeks, uh, his floor is still relatively high with scores in the 90s and I think a lower score of 69. This means his potential ceiling when playing in his proper position is pretty massive, let's be honest. Uh, He does have the round 12 bye, which is important to get out of the way early with round 13 and 14 looking to be the worst in terms of fielding a team for most supercoach players. And he doesn't need a heap of disposals to score well when at the height of his game, unlike uh, Tom Mitchell, who we'll discuss in a second. On the con side, uh, his injury history uh, is sort of the main concern. He very rarely plays out a full season. Uh, The last season, I think, where he played out every game was in 2016. With the current carnage, uh, do we really want to be bringing in a player that might do a soft tissue injury mid-season? I think we had a quick look as well, Damon, Um, and most most of his injuries seem to appear later in the season. Yeah, uh, I think it was 2019 when I had him and I picked him. I think he had a late start to the, to the year yeah. and um, he, yeah, I think he, he sustained an injury at around about round 17, I think it was, and then yeah. came back in round 21. Uh, but I bought him on the cheap. He had a consistent run of games where he was scoring 120 plus and then... Yeah, whatever injury he sustained, I can't quite remember what it was, but it would have been a soft tissue one, mm. no doubt, knowing Josh Kelly. But um, yeah, that's the thing. He's kind of like he breaks down towards the end of the year. I think there was an instance where he broke down in the middle of the season, but I'll let you get into the uh, into the cons um, a bit further and, and see what, what we can weigh up. Yep, definitely. Uh, next up, we've got his coach, Leon Cameron, who's just teetering on, a, on an entry into the burn book. Uh, I guess the key question is where will he want to play him each week? So while it looks like he should be back in the middle, there is the potential that he gets moved back to the forward pocket and his scoring does take a bit of a hit. I mean, when he was in that forward pocket, he was still scoring in the 90s, which isn't which isn't anything to, I guess, uh, be too worried about. Uh, but as we'll, as we'll see when we talk about Mitchell, um, this is a thing to consider. His lowest score is obviously 69, um, which is... 
while he's still got a relatively high ceiling with four scores in the 90s and three scores in the 100-plus region, if he does go back forward and doesn't kick any goals, um, where a lot of his... where that sort of helped boost his scoring, um, that could mean that he does have some lower scores, especially if he does play more games in the forward line. Um, and I guess the key question is, do you want that sort of variance from a player in your midfield? You'll probably get the big scores when he is playing in the midfield, and you might get some lower scores when he's playing in the forward line. Also, one thing that I've noticed as well is the fact that Brent Daniels, who didn't play on the weekend because he's been injured, he has actually been playing up the ground and even in uh, in Josh Kelly's wing role. And Josh Kelly has been playing in Brent Daniels' role up forward. So now that Daniels is injured, it's allowed Kelly... It's pretty much his move into the wing and into the midfield has coincided with Brent Daniels' injury. So factor that in um, because that's something that I think a lot of people have overlooked and that's kind of been the swing and been the catalyst for it. So... I mean, that, that only helps his cause, but um, let's have a look at our next guy also, who is Tom Mitchell, uh, 525.8K midfielder, obviously averaging 107.3 with a break even of 60. Looking at his pros, so his average of 107.3 is pretty good, and he's only dipped below 100 on three occasions this season. And uh, as we know, he's a proven scorer in years gone by. He has a relatively high floor also with uh, lower scores of 76, 89, and 90, and all other scores are over 100. And Mitchell, more often than not, doesn't really attract a tag, uh, as yeah. we've seen in uh, in recent years, because a lot of coaches, uh, most notably Nathan Buckley, don't <laughs> see him because he's most, been most vocal about it, but they don't really see him as uh, you know overly damaging, I guess you could say, uh, because of his style of game. He's very yeah. in and under. Uh, as I'll delve into as well, in terms of handballs, he's very in and under. Handballs in close isn't really one to, you know, run and carry like a Chris Judd or, yeah. or someone of the like. So uh, that there is is a pro in the fact that, yeah, opposition teams, I don't really care about him. Uh, moving on to the cons. So Mitchell's low scores, uh, partly due to the fact that he's he does have a tendency to handball as opposed to kick, which limits his scoring ceiling. So, so far in 2021, he has 90 kicks to 184 handballs. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's actually handballing twice as much as he's yeah. kicking, which, re- a, yeah, which rush, yeah. really does um, sum up how his scoring is going. And uh, as we've also seen in his metres gained, he only averages 312.5 per game for 2021, which is classified as average by AFL Stats Pro, which is, uh, of course, available on their app. On top of this, his scoring ceiling can be further limited by uh, turnovers, which have further compounded the low scores Mm. because those turnovers have kind of been creeping into his game, as we mentioned last week. And prior to the weekend, he had four, five, and six turnovers. And uh, the weekend, I think he kind of corrected that he may have only had about two turnovers from memory. So, I mean, is it really a coincidence that his scoring has now improved off the back of that? Yeah, it's a very interesting one. I think his his turnovers are really yeah, negatively affecting his his scoring and and just in general is his tendency to handle. I think his ratio, as you said, is yeah point point five, um, which yeah, it's it's always going to negatively affect your scoring when your when when champion data I guess takes such a big emphasis on the meters gained aspect of the game. Absolutely. So the verdict. What are you going to go with, Liam? 
Yeah, it's it's 50-50, but it's probably Tom Mitchell just for mine. While Kelly does probably have a higher ceiling, I think his injury history and the coach's tendency to change his role and just be a bit flippant there makes him a slightly weaker option over Mitchell, just slightly. Um, Titch is likely to be a bit more consistent. We've seen that in his scoring. Um, I think most of his scores have been in the hundreds, even though they've been a bit down. Um, whereas Kelly's have mostly been in the 90s, obviously playing in that forward role. Um, but really, it's probably a bit of a flip of a coin. Um, but with that being said, it is always fun to have a player like Kelly in your super coach side. So sometimes it, it, it's good to, to, I guess, take a player that, that sort of plays that role, um, which can be quite exciting when you're watching and checking their scores as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, very much the same line of thought there. It's a serious 50-50. Uh, I seriously like Kelly at uh, yeah. at his current price, as his floor is probably just as high as Mitchell at times. Uh, but I think, yeah, he has the potential to explode for a mammoth score without having to rely on accruing 40-plus disposals like Mitchell does. But yeah, like we've mentioned, ad nauseum, uh, injury history of Kelly does scare me away. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Kelly provides more upside, so you can you can tell already I'm, I'm bloody toing and froing just just yeah. talking through it, but... I think if you like to live dangerously, which I do, <laughs> just be prepared to use a trade on an injury, which will be forthcoming, no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, if you like to be a little bit play a little bit safer, then go for Mitch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he may have a limited ceiling going by what we've discussed uh, so far. I think that's a yeah. I think that's a good way to to just sum this up. Consistency, I guess, is probably more so on yep. on Tom Mitchell's side. If you want to be a bit more safer, uh, Tom Mitchell is definitely your man. If you're, you're willing to, to take the risk, then Kelly is probably your man there. For sure. And let's move on to the next segment, Liam, which is... I'm, I'm the captain, captain now. Now. Look at me. I'm the captain now. So when I'm the captain now, every week we'll be bringing you our top choices for the VC and the C and we'll be discussing some of the key options and some that may even be a little left field uh, as they present themselves. So first, cab off the rank, we have Brody Grundy uh, playing early on against the Swans. And uh, I think he's probably going to fall into that category yet again of being a set-and-forget VC option, uh, mm. with his last four against the Swans being 147, 165, 167, and 105. What a downer that was. Uh, for a total average of 146, believe it or not. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that kind of just speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> those are some insane numbers when you look at that. 146. 105 is his lowest in the last four. Um, he's probably, yeah, the, the, the safest... VC of the round, so you just get to screen your score. But it, it, but by the looks of that, it should be it should be a relatively good one, hopefully. Our next candidate for the VC is Tom Mitchell. He's playing against the hapless North Melbourne. Uh, his last four scores are 143, 75, 106, and a big one with 178, which brings his average to 125.5 for the last four games. Obviously, with a big score on the weekend coming up against North Melbourne. If he can keep his clang account down, uh, you'd expect that Tom Mitchell should be able to go big again, uh, which as as your VC, you can take a sort of a more risky option as long as you know that you're going to get someone that's that's there's more safe coming into the, the, the back end of the round, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's if you can recapture that form, and I think it's probably the biggest appeal there is the fact that he's facing North Melbourne uh, above everything else. Yeah. And given what we've discussed, yeah, if we can keep his clang account down, like we've seen on the weekend, it can pay dividends. And, I mean, North Melbourne's midfield at the moment is just filled with youngsters, apart from Cunnington. So, I mean, he's the senior heading yeah. there, but I think the Hawks, they probably don't have the, the best midfield either, but... I mean, they should absolutely trounce North Melbourne. So he should have a big one. Um, so, yeah, if you're not, if you want to be a little bit, yeah, live a little bit dangerously. I also like to live dangerously. Pop the VC on Mitchell, I think. But um, there is another guy coming up who I would uh, even potentially think about as well. And he goes by the name of Jack McRae against Port Adelaide. And his last four against them have been 113, 142, 51, and 147 mm. for an average of 113.25. And McRae, as I mentioned earlier, with Emper's uh, ton run, he is one of two guys rem- remaining alongside Lions to have not yet dropped below 100. So going by that alone, at least you know that if that's the floor that you're going to get, uh, it's not much of a risk. But just think about the potential in what he can score uh, as we've seen so far this season. So for me, he presents himself as a really viable option. Definitely. I think uh, as we've seen, his, his scoring has been pretty consistent as well. One that you could chuck the VC or, or C on um, with relative certainty. Next one on the list is from my mob, Zach Merritt against Frio. Last four has been 111, 121, 104, and 95 with an average of 107.75. Uh, his average for the season as well has been 112.4, but he's coming to a bit of a, a bit of a nice run, averaging 118 off the last three matches. So he's one that I guess is a bit more of a left field option, does play on the Sunday early afternoon. So it's sort of a bit of 50-50 if, if you're looking for someone else to be a bit of a pod as your captain option. Yeah, for sure. When I was looking at your team on the weekend and I was comparing the pair, as it were, the one man that stuck out to me was Zach Merritt, and I wish I had him in my team because he's been really consistent this year. Uh, one of the more consistent yep. midfielders so far, and uh, yeah, I mean, given that consistency, you could probably afford to uh, to whack the, or probably the C. You could probably even do the VC potentially, but yeah, depends on your side, obviously, yeah, because uh, Essendon do have the first game on Sunday, so... You could potentially put the VC on Merritt and then chuck the C on Gorn, uh, given their uh, match kicks up kicks off two hours and ten minutes later. So their game should potentially be finished, or at least you'd know how Merritt's scoring up to at least three-quarter time. Depends how quickly, I guess, uh, Champion Data decide to get there. <laughs> that is a really fair point. On. And that, that, it, we, we joke about that, but that is a serious issue. So factor that in, because, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So if you are doing that, Keep an eye on Chumpy and Data's timeline and uh, what they've got their, their little pocket watcher set to because no doubt they're complete nerds. <laughs> uh, moving on to um, the next guy who is Max Gorn. Obviously, don't really have to say too much about Gorny. He is... He always makes us Gorny. Miss Gorny. <laughs> Last four against Carlton. Faces Carlton. Last four against them. As I know too well, uh, he mm. does do quite well. He scored 184, 121, 111, and 79 for an average of 123.75. And uh, coming up against 
uh, the Mr. Worldwide in Pitbull. <laughs> he, I think, should absolutely trounce him around the ground. He's just having... He hasn't covered for not only talent, but just the basic stuff like his aerobic ability, uh, his yeah. skills in the ruck. I think Pitney doesn't stand a chance. Um, so it's probably going to come down to whether or not Carlton can shark Gorney's hitouts, and that may limit his ceiling somewhat, but I think he is, is assured an option... Uh, captaincy option that is uh, as anyone uh, this round so for me I'll be looking to use him as the C if uh, if Grundy doesn't do as well as what I hope definitely I agree with you there also in that game we've got Clayton Oliver um, against Carlton as well obviously since he's Gordon's teammate <laughs> um, but in the last four uh, he's scored 127, 158, 88, and 139. Also, some very big scores there. For an average of 128 in the last four games against Carlton, he's one that could really go big as well. I think it's it's really... I think you'd go Max Gorn over Clayton Oliver just because Gorn's got that sort of more consistent captain scores, but you, you could definitely take a risk with Clary as well. And it'd be sort of a calculated risk with his scores against Carlton. Yeah, I guess the only caveat I would say there is uh, Ed Curnow may tag him. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, I mean, Curnow tried to tag Bont on the weekend and got absolutely tailed up. Um, Hold him a little bit early on. Uh, it was probably like for the first 10 minutes. And then Bont went absolutely bananas, especially in the last quarter. So um, Oliver, I think from memory in the past, he has shown that he, uh, Ed can have his measure. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you can see there with the averages... He does average uh, quite nicely against Carlton. So, yeah, that is an option. Definitely. And just as a real, real number seven, this is another team sheet, on uh, the run sheet, sorry. Um, just Captain Cripps because Damon's going to <laughs> So we all know that he's going to go 200. We, we joke about it, but no doubt he will. And uh, for anyone thinking of getting rid of Cripps, hold him because, yeah, he's going to kill it. <sighs> yeah. You just know what's going to happen, don't you? I do, and it's it, it's going to hurt me. I mean, the only good thing about it is the fact that he does play for my side, and if he does have a blinder and he does help deliver us a win, then it's going to soften the blow. Yeah. But it's still going to hurt, no doubt. But anywho, let's move on. So who are you uh, Who are you going with, uh, Liam? Yep, so it's pretty simple one for me this week. It's probably just going to be Grundy into Gorn. Ever reliable, generally. I mean, we've seen it not be ever reliable, but... It's pretty rare. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very much the same. Grundy into Gorn yet again. And uh, at least the chumps at Champion Data can't bend me over with their slow score corrections like they did on the weekend, given Grundy plays on Saturday and Gorn on the Sunday. So, EAD. Don't anger them. They might They might really like just be like, you know what? We're just going to do it. We're just going to do it on the... <laughs> Imagine the, the lag time on that. Like, everyone's just waiting like Grundy's already played. <laughs> Scores are still zero. Everyone scores zero. Yeah, everyone's just... And they're just like... They send out like a tweet. Due to uh, Damon giving us so much shit on their podcast, we are hereby not correcting any scores. Maybe they'll just hack your app and just won't let you... Like, it just affects you. That'd be right. Everyone else gets to see it. And now let's move on. Let's let's stop giving too much shit to champion data. We, We love the work, guys. Most, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and let's get on to one of our favourite segments, Damon. Yes, it is. I got to know. <laughs> hey, I got to know. 
So the first question sent in, and I got to know, uh, has been sent in by our uh, favorite filmmaker, favorite director, Quentin Quarantino. We're still uh, <laughs> still waiting for you to release uh, Kill Bill Three, um, Quentin. So get to it. But no, he sends it in from at Quentin Quarren seventeen. And he says, I'm sticking to my stubborn ways and saving trading Goulden, Warner, Rowe, and Flynn, etc. until their buy rounds. Is this insanity or a stroke of genius? P.S. No longer a frustrated jelly owner. I have blossomed into a rather egotistical jelly owner now. <laughs> Very good to see. Liam, I'll let you, uh, let you take the floor first. Yeah, I'd say it's probably somewhere in between uh, insanity and a stroke of genius. I definitely see value in keeping the likes of all those players until the buys. While they may drop in cash, there's value in the fact that I guess they're a warm body. Um, they're rookies that are playing. You don't see them getting dropped. And that's something that's increasingly important for the forward line with Warner and Rao. Um, just with none, none of the forwards really presenting as, as options. So you kind of want to want to hold on to those rookies as long as possible there. Ultimately, I guess it really depends if you're missing out on other potential cash cows or fallen primos as well. You don't want to hold them as a hard and fast rule if it means you're missing out on, say, a Poulter or uh, any of those sorts of guys as well. You want to still maintain your cash gen. And just as a side note, nice work with Jelly. Hopefully he continues on his form and role in the mids. Yeah, spot on. Uh, You're totally right there. We need as many blokes in the park for the buys, or at least 18 in this case. Um, so it's it's not silly at all to be saving those guys. Uh, Rowe and Flynn in particular have uh, have a lot of cash to make, uh, especially Flynn. When I say a lot, uh, and the frustrating Flynn may be a saving grace after all in round fourteen, when Gorn and Grundy have their buy, and yeah, that's if he plays. That is Leon Cameron, just do it. Yeah, but imagine that though. Like everyone's held him up until that stage. All he needs to do is play that one game. And I think he will have rewarded everyone for the shit that he's... Yeah, definitely. You know, thrown in people's faces for... yeah, the, the, Especially those people that started with him. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, we'll wait and see. But yeah, nice work on Jelly as well, because I'm definitely thinking of bringing him in now. I think I've spoken... I've, I've talked myself into getting him, so I may be joining you yet. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to our next question. Yep, it's from Emper <gasps> um, at Emper underscore Hey, wait X. a second. Is, is he that... Is he that guy, that, that guru, that statistical dude? Yeah, yeah, that guru. Oh. The one that's cursed. Beware, it carries a terrible curse. Oh, the cursed one. Oh, what is he? What is he asking? Yeah, he's actually asking, are the supercoach gods cursing me by all the work I do? <laughs> uh, and the answer? So my answer is... Yes! And my answer is... Yes! But on a serious note, thanks for all the work that you do for us, Emperor. If you're not already following the great man, jump onto his Twitter for heaps of great Supercoach-related content and just general football content as well, Mm. including price projections, power rankings, captaincy options, and, of course, some great banter. His handle for those that don't already follow him is at EMPR underscore X. Yes, thank you once again, Emperor. He's a a great... Great uh, guru. He's almost, he's a god amongst mere mortals. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he definitely helps us out alongside the other great guru in Bryce Mitchell. And let's move on to the next question, which is sent in by another regular, uh, Sam, at AU Pinker. He asks, is Goulden to Hall worth it? Basically upgrading to a primo for 80K. 
Yeah, so I guess I'll jump in here. His scoring, whole scoring, of course, does look quite good, but his injury history is the main concern. If you want to take the risk of more carnage in the forward line, then I guess by all means go for it. Uh, but his scoring is extremely tantalizing. Uh, in a field with very few forward options, Hall scoring could make him a very, very good option. I guess if you're into the risk of playing Hall, despite that injury history for that scoring, then he's one that I would consider. But if you're a bit risk-averse, sorry, I would probably steer clear. I, To be honest with you, at this stage, I'm really looking at upgrading everywhere else in my field, and then I'll look at the forwards. Uh, I just don't think anyone's presented themselves as being top six um, at this stage, everyone's sort of just injured at the minute. Yeah, I think you'll definitely be a point of difference, uh, which yeah. which may help you uh, just in terms of if you can maintain his scoring, but can obviously hurt you a fair bit if he does get injured and you're forced to use uh, two trades, one in getting him in and then one in getting rid of him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at this stage of the game, when trades uh, ever valuable, um, I don't think... I could do it personally. Uh, again, like mm. you know, if you if you do want to go with the risk, if you haven't used too many trades, as we always bang on about, uh, in terms of uh, injuries and suspensions, like a lot of people have, and you do have a few spare trades up your sleeve, then you could probably afford to do it. But uh, for me, I think I'd prefer to downgrade another rookie and use that cash to upgrade Goulden to a genuine primo, because uh, yeah, at least you're assured in knowing that uh, they're going to be delivering week in week out. Uh, unlike a Hall, who may potentially change positions or may be affected with the return of, say, like a Luke McDonald, who uh, a lot of people are forgetting about. So, um, yeah, it's totally up to you, flip of the coin, but um, for me, I wouldn't personally. Let's uh, move on to, uh, before we wrap up the show, must make mention, uh, if you haven't already seen, we're running a competition across all of our social channels. So if you're not following us on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook, now is definitely the time as we're giving fans a chance to win free access to our exclusive Discord community chat, which is otherwise only available by being a Patreon member. And all you have to do is all three of the following. First, make sure you're following us on the appropriate social media channel you want to enter via. You then need to tag a mate in the competition post that has already been posted, and you also need to like that post. Every channel you like, follow and tag is an entry. If you do it across all channels, that's three separate entries. Absolutely. And good luck to everyone that has entered and is going to enter. Uh, and we'll be drawing the winners in... We haven't really specified a time, but um, we may uh, let it run for the, for the next week at least, and then we'll assess from there as to how many people have entered, and then we'll yeah, present a cutoff, I guess, on uh, socials, so uh, keep a lookout for that after you have entered. Nice one. And we'll just jump now into the Supercoach Edge group rankings. Our round eight highest scorer was Nola with their team Thrillers, who had a score in round eight of 2,480. Well Absolute massive one there. Overall leader, we have another new overall leader. It's been quite turbulent at the yeah. top with Arthur of Black on White. His overall score is 18,044, and his leading overall in the in the whole of Supercoach in 26th. So quite a good ranking there as well. If you do want to join our Supercoach Edge group, the code is 
798-296. Whoever ends up on top of the group at season's end will get their hands on a Supercoach Championship ring from the guys at Supercoach Championship Rings, the ultimate bragging rights, and we'll have a chat with you in the final podcast of the season. So good luck. And that brings us to the very end of the episode. But first, just a reminder where fans need to be following us in order to keep up to date with all of our content and, of course, enter our Discord comp. So first off, you'll find us at our personal handles at at DemoJ88 and myself at at LiamEvans underscore 95. And to enter the competition, you'll find us at at Supercoach underscore Edge on Facebook at Supercoach Edge and on Insta at Supercoach Edge as well. And if you do have any questions, feel free to email us at aflsupercoachedge at gmail.com or hit us up in the DMs as well. Absolutely. And make sure you're following us across all of those relevant platforms where we are always providing up-to-date news and info. And in the weeks of carnage we find ourselves in, injury news is almost the most important to keep across. So uh, check in with those and give us a follow. Until next week, all the very best for the weekend ahead. Hopefully the curse is lifted. Catch you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.